0: Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And today's show sponsored by Boost Mobile, the switch that gives you more. Uh, You know what? Just going to jump right into it here. There is a new all elite wrestling world champion. And it's me, Chris Jericho. Um, Wow. What a great weekend and what a great show. And I thought it was just apropos for me to kind of give you my all out review. Now, I want to say this. I haven't seen the entire show I want to give you my review for what I was experiencing backstage. Uh, you can read a lot of different reviews and rundowns of all the matches and stuff. And I saw some of it, didn't see other stuff, but I kind of want to give you a day in the life of what was going on with Chris Jericho backstage. Now, obviously, the big match was Jericho versus Hangman Page uh, main event all out in Chicago, which was on August 31st, 2019. Uh, I believe the attendance was, I think, 10 or 11,000 people, which was sold out in, I believe, 10 minutes, something along those lines. You guys probably have. Once again, this is not a fact-finding show. This is just my uh, recollections and, and my experiences of what I went through. And, um, wow. I mean, Chicago, uh, always known for being one of the best actual crowds in the country as far as emotion and uh, excitement and definitely did not let down uh, here. It was one year ago, basically, almost to the day, around the same time frame, Labor Day, Labor Day weekend, when I, uh, myself and Jack Slade, flew from Little Rock to Chicago, did the surprise appearance, uh, beating up Kenny Omega when I was dressed up as Pentagon, and then getting into the private plane and flying right to Kansas City for the Fozzie gig. So uh, nothing that, uh, not that much espionage this time. Um, but definitely uh, still a very newsworthy memorable uh, memorable weekend as well. So uh, let me fill you in from the start basically what's going on So I got to Chicago on the Thursday and my wife Jessica and I went to a amazing uh, soiree at the cons family high-rise apartment. They have a a, a giant um, luxury mansion esque style you know like i said apartment on a high rise somewhere in downtown chicago like 67 floors up or whatever it was and just a great meeting with sponsors and time warner people and just getting ready for the big debut on tnt on october 2nd which is just in a few weeks so it's getting down to it and getting a chance to really talk to some of the executives who are going to be helping us along uh who got the deal in the first place some of the actual sponsors that we're talking to to come aboard. I won't, don't want to give any of them away, but they're very big, big names, big corporations, as everybody wants to be associated with All Elite right now, due to the fact that we're the hottest wrestling company in the world today. Uh, but that was a great way to start off uh, the week and kind of get into the mode of like, now it's real. You know what I mean? Like after we talked about it for so long and the last show we had was back in May in Las Vegas, where the winner of Kenny and Jericho fought the winner of the casino Royale battle Royal to see who was going to be the first world champion. Of course, that was me and page. And once you get there and, and and, you know, do some great promos from this high rise apartment, took some great pictures, some great fight worthy pictures, Jericho nose to nose with page, like you'd see in a great boxing match. And the other one I really liked too, which was uh, Jericho and Paige with Tony Khan kind of standing in the middle of us uh, holding the title, which is just a beautiful title, by the way. And, um, you know, it's just big fight presentations. And that's what we're trying to do in AEW to make things different from from all the rest is our title matches aren't random and they're not last minute and everything kind of is there for a reason. So when you get your chance, it's a big, big deal. We want to make it like a big boxing pay-per-view or a big UFC pay-per-view where, uh, you know, this is a, a, a major event. So I felt really accomplished that. You can go on my Instagram at Chris Jericho Fozzi and see those pictures and see the last few promos that I did to build up the match. And, and, and Hangman, uh, definitely Hangman, you know, one thing that I thought he could have built upon is his promos. And I think he really kind of came through over the last few weeks of really delivering some intensity and some, some urgency to uh, the fact that he had to win the title. This was his big chance and his big goal. And, um, you know, the goal was to build hangman as a future top star here in AEW, which I think obviously we'll talk about that I think that obviously um, happened uh, at, at a big, big degree. And then uh, Jess and I went, just to give you more background, went out with uh, m- my great friend, Charlie Benanti. He took us out to um, a great Italian restaurant in the uh, Schaumburg area, Chicago Prime Italian. So we got a chance to hang out there and shoot the breeze. And it's always cool when you get to see kind of an old friend that you haven't seen for a while and not just see him backstage at a, at a rock and roll show or whatever, actually get a chance to, to fellowship and, and hang out and, it's just a r- really good time. So, I uh, that, and that area of Chicago, the Schaumburg area, I like the fact that AW is kind of making it our home base, you know, Rosemont and the Allstate Arenas is, is kind of WWE land and you can go downtown to the United Center, but downtown Chicago is, wow, it's a, it's a, you think New York is busy. Chicago getting down there from the airport probably takes you almost an hour. So to be kind of in our own little world in Schaumburg was, was, was really, really cool. And I'm looking forward to, uh, Spending a lot more time there over the years uh, as we do our shows exclusively in Chicago at uh, at the Sears Center. At least I hope it continues that way. I know we have another show there, uh, Thanksgiving Eve, whatever date that is, um, I think it's November 23rd or something like that. So um, got a lot of good stuff coming up in the Chicago area. And once again, very excited about that. Next day was the 30th. We kind of had a, a, a company-wide physical blood work we did some scans for some, some really cool stuff. Scans are usually used for video games and for, uh, for action figures. And I'll tell you what, you know, um, like I said, AEW definitely the hottest wrestling company in the world today. And everybody wants to be a part of it. And we've got a lot of great companies that want to uh, be associated with us. And I think it was great, you know, obviously to have, you know, young guys, you're talking about MJF and, and, you know, Penelope Ford and uh, young guys and girls and, you know, even hangman and, A lot of people that have never had action figures before, and do the face scan is really cool because they actually scan your face into a computer so you can see, like, oh, my gosh, it looks like me, and that's what your action figure will look like or your video game character or whatever it may be. So once again, just a really cool experience for a lot of young talent that hasn't had uh, this type of thing before, unlike, you know, grizzled old Jericho. It's like, geez, another scan. Of course, I never look at it that way. I'm always excited to be involved in anything like that because it just makes your company bigger. It's more revenue for the guys and girls. So uh, a very, very cool moment there. And then we had a, a great, I guess you'd say a seminar, kind of, from Chris Nowinski from the uh, Concussion Institute. I'm probably getting that name wrong, but yeah, everyone knows Chris Harvard was his name in WWE, and uh, was was a great talent, great promo. People forget that. And he suffered an early concussion, I think at 24, 25 years old. and has dedicated his life, his life's work now, is to helping other athletes identify concussion problems, helping sports companies and sports teams understand when people do have a concussion and how to deal with that. And I think um, once again, very eye-opening for a lot of people. Not that you would notice that the next day with some of the insane matches that we saw with uh, Lucha Brothers and 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 uh, and the Young Bucks and and you know Darby Allen and Janela and, and Jimmy Havoc, but. I listen to what he says because, you know, I do not want to get a concussion. And I think there's no one move. I told the guys this afterwards. and Everyone's going to have to figure it out for themselves. I remember when I was first starting in 1992 with Lance Storm in Winnipeg. Winter heat at the uh, Winnipeg, you know, whatever convention center, wherever we were. And Nick Bockwinkel was the commentator. And he said, you know, you guys are great, but you move too fast and you do too much stuff. You know, it's the famous story. You do too much. And you're thinking, oh, what does this old guy know? Here I am, you know, 25 years later, 27 years later saying the same thing to the kids. And of course, they're not going to listen. They'll listen when they're ready to. But my point is, there's not one move or bump that you're going to take that's going to get you more over or less over if you don't do it. Think about that. There's not one bump you're going to take that's going to make you more over if you do it or less over than you than if you don't. And... If you have any doubt, don't do it because I want all you guys to be wrestling and have the, the same type of longevity for your careers as I've had in mine. So um, I, I just thought once again, once again just, just seeing Chris and, and hearing him talk, and he's great because he can relate to the wrestlers. He can talk about taking bumps and being over and, and high spots and you know all that sort of stuff. So I thought that he did a great job. It was very um, knowledgeable, very worthwhile, Uh, And I loved it. And I think hopefully a lot of the other, uh, the other people did as well. It was definitely um, something that needs to be talked about. And kudos to Tony Khan for hooking that up and kudos to Chris uh, coming to speak to us. So, and that leads to the big show the next day uh, in Chicago at the Sears Center. And, you know, you show up early because I like getting there early, getting there at like, you know, one o'clock show starts at seven. I want to be ready and get into the headspace and, you know, Hangman and I had 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 you know talked about a few things and, and kind of decided what direction we wanted the match to go in, and then talked with our producer Dean Malenko and um, and our the referee Aubrey Edwards, who I specifically requested to be our referee for two reasons. One, I thought uh, a I think she's the best referee in the company, just for me, for my opinions. We got we got some good referees, but I like her style. And I like the fact that we had the very first female referee officiating a world title match. You know, you talk about the women's revolution and all this other stuff. Like, I think the fact that she is the, my favorite referee in there, I thought she was uh, deserving of the honor. And she did a great job. And it led to a, an awesome spot in the middle of the match, which we'll talk about. Um, so, yeah, you get there early and you figure out what you want to do. And kind of there's a couple ideas we, we had that didn't work out when you try them in execution. Um, which is good. Sometimes the ideas you have are that, you know, say so the, uh, the expression that your eyes are bigger than your stomach. Well, it's like your your, your imagination is bigger than what's actually possible from a gravity standpoint from a logistic standpoint, momentum. And those things are very easily cleaned up. So we did that and kind of then you just start getting into the groove and it's funny because obviously you guys know what the cracker barrel clash. Uh, and the fact we're sponsored by Cracker Barrel, the famous Cracker Barrel that wouldn't get out of the ring uh, in the Kenny and Jericho match back in Las Vegas, to where I started to sense the crowd was laughing at this Cracker Barrel. I'm like, I'll be damned if a if a Cracker Barrel is going to take away my steam. So that's why I just picked it up and we threw the, th- the damn thing out of the out of the ring. But the fact that we're sponsored by Cracker Barrel, we also have catering by Cracker Barrel. So Cracker Barrel is like the road food by choice for most of the wrestlers in the business. You're driving on the highway, pull over a Cracker Barrel and have just a myriad, a multitude, a cornucopia, a potpourri of amazing food. And now it's catered by Cracker Barrel. I mean, Lance Storm would be in his uh, in his glory considering <laughs> that, that Cracker Barrel was the, uh, the caterer. It was just like his dream come true. All right, we're talking about all out and uh, all in, all out. I get that mixed up. I know it's all out. I have a little drink of coffee once again. This is a Jericho solo show. I like to do them from time to time, so please indulge me if I have to take a a second to to little, take a little sip of little uh, coffee there. Um, yeah. So we're you know you have the catering, uh, uh, the Cracker Barrel catering, and then it just gets time for the show, and and it's it's amazing now to see how our organization has grown uh, since we started just a few months ago. Obviously, just the setup, the staging. I mean, this is a raw level stage. Um, All the techs and supports and uh, the backstage uh, guys and the the local loaders, then our crew and the refs and the ring and the catering and then the makeup. And we've got a whole makeup line that's actually run by by Janet. uh, Jan, I'm not sure her last name is. I know it's... um, Italian last name, but she was with the WWE for years. And now she's back in the business, pulled back in the business by AEW. She's got a full team of of completely uh, what's it, bonded and licensed you know, hair and, and makeup people, professionals. Same thing with the whole travel department and, and the catering, like I mentioned, and Seamstress, uh, another seamstress called Sandra is with us. She was did lots of stuff in WWE for years. I think she was even working back in WCW for a while then went to WWE and then now ends up in AW good people and good, uh, uh, people that are good at what they do all will always find work, especially in this job, because it's a strange job. It's unlike any other. So you want to find people that understand the business and, uh, they definitely do. So that was great to see a lot of old faces as a DDP, Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, you know, familiar faces to see in that end, which was great. Uh and then you know, uh, you just kind of get ready and you I always have a little uh I got my little portable speaker in there, which is just cranking now. And I played, I found a playlist on Spotify, I just felt like listening to some some thrash. So I found the big four playlist. And of course, big four is uh, Metallica, uh Meganeth, Anthrax, and Slayer. So I had a, a healthy selection of those bands going through my head as I prepare for the match. So the first match, um, of all out was the women's battle Royal. It was funny because we've had a, you know, you have a few uh, women signed and we know them all, Brett Baker and Penelope Ford, like I mentioned, and Nyla Rose and uh, Austin Kong and, and Brandy Rhodes. And then suddenly you see like another 15 uh, girls walking around. It's funny because these are all Kenny Omegas uh, and uh, Brandy Rhodes have uh, handpicked these girls and they're from everywhere, Beat Priestley and Sadie Gibbs and Jazz was there, bald and just looking crazy, which was great, and uh, Ivelisse and Mercedes Martinez and a uh, big swole, I'd never seen her before. So you got a lot of, of, of uh, you know, uh, uh, one girl was called Royal, something Royal, so a lot of people that I had never met before, I'd never seen before. And it was cool to watch uh, how everybody... Um, you know, it's hard because you get a a, a women's battle Royal and everybody's going to have, especially in these ones, because they are groups of five that come out and you see girls get like one or two spots to kind of show their metal and then, and then they get thrown out. So it's hard to, 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 to kind of show your stuff, but you also only have, you know, a couple spots to show your stuff. So you better make it great. And I thought a lot of the girls did just that, which was, was pretty cool to see like i thought priscilla uh, uh priscilla kelly had a, a good showing showed some good stuff and uh, looked great teal piper piper's daughter i don't think she'd even really train much but we want to have her involved and kind of set the tone that she's in there now Shaza mckenzie i think she's from uh, australia or something along those lines ally of course is with us so it's fun to watch the whole show and, and see, watch the whole match and, and uh, some great stuff with, with B Priestley and Britt because Britt, Britt got the concussion last show in Jacksonville from B and there was a little bit of a vibe and a rivalry there. And then I thought it was, uh, you know, Nyla Rose wins. She throws out uh, uh, Priestley and then Priestley grabs the arm of Baker, the old uh, famous Hulk Hogan, uh, Sid Vicious from whatever Royal Rumble that was, probably 93, 94 Royal Rumble. And Rose uh, gets the victory, so she uh, earns the first spot in the AEW uh, Championship match. Now, once again, I really enjoyed this because I didn't know a lot of the girls, but I thought that um, there was some great surprises. And, you know, once again, this is this is kind of AEW. We're giving everybody a chance and, and get these women from all over the world. And some will stick, some will not, but so far so good. What a great... Uh, a great start to the show and giving a lot of people a spotlight. And and once again, that's what we're all about. Um, I really like Britt Baker. I like B Priestley. I like Nyla Rose. I like Penelope Ford. Um, And as far as the ones that aren't officially signed to us, I thought jazz looked like a killer. You can always use somebody like that. Uh, I thought Priscilla Kelly looked like a star. And um, there's a couple other ones that I dug as well. Mercedes Martinez. I hadn't seen her before. And she came out, uh, got a great reaction. So uh, Eva Lee, I know she's been around for a long time. So anyways, good luck to all of those girls. And hopefully uh, we'll see a lot more of them in the future. Someone we will see a lot more of, especially on the Jericho Cruise's private party. And uh, they worked uh, Jack Evans and in Helico. I think I saw Jack Evans more this weekend than uh, than anybody else. I just kept running into him on the elevator, in the gym, uh, you know, before the show, after the show, in the hotel lobby. Yeah, in the closet in my room when I open up one time. I'm joking, of course. Um, but yeah, yeah, so those two guys and headache is from uh, uh, Spain, I believe. and they you know the super athletic team, not a lot of facials from those guys, but that's something that they're gonna have to learn. Private party, on the other hand, I like them. I don't know if they're like fifteen years old or twenty two years old or whatever they are. They're, they're they're young guys, but they got a lot of fire. Uh, they got a lot of cool moves, uh, obviously. And they actually had uh, the respect to come up to me and say, we have this double team move. It's like a double spinning back elbow. I'm like, you guys can probably not do that one uh, for a while. And I promise not to do, um, well, I can't do any of the moves that you do. So <laughs> give uh, give Mr. J, give Dr. J his little spinning elbow. Let me get that over before you guys try to steal it with two of them at the same time. Uh, and we can go from there. But private party, uh, great uh, exciting. And, and uh, I'm a big fan of them from the moment that Matt and Nick uh, Jackson showed me their tape and said, we, we've just signed these guys. And I thought it was really, really cool to have them and Private Party beat Angelico and Jack Evans uh, by pinfall, which was, uh, was really cool. I, I liked it. And uh, of course, uh, you know, I think they got a big future and I just like their vibe. I like that. I think one of the things that the AEW has is we've got a, a younger contingency, which you need. You got to get that younger fan base in there, and those two guys are definitely fit in that category. And we have another guy who's very young and, and good-looking guy and explosive in in Jungle Boy. But what a great act luchasaurus jungle boy and marco stunt have and i I told marco when i first saw marco stunt i thought this is stupid like why why is this guy even in the business and then i realized you know what everyone told me i was too small when i first got into wrestling as well so i talked to him for a bit he's a good kid i'm like you know what good for him and then they signed him i'm like why and we're signing him now and but he's part of this you know jurassic express the luchasaurus jungle boy marco stunt act which I just thought was tremendous. And working with SCU, who, you know, ageless, a lot of people, are, there's a lot of kind of pundits go, well, Chris Jericho's the first AEW champion and he's 48. Well, first of all, I'm the youngest AEW champion in history. So all you can uh, go F yourselves. Second of all, age, what is it? I think it's more on match quality, uh, excitement level, uh, entertainment value. And SCU, I know, I think CD, uh, Christopher Jones might even be a little bit older than me. And who cares? You never notice it. They know exactly what to do. Uh, it's a great act. And what a perfect match to kick off the actual show. Those other two matches were the uh, the uh, pre-show, I think they call it buy-in, which I think this is the best buy-in that we've had so far. In the past, some of the buy-ins have been kind of uh, less than uh, than zero, shall we say. But this was this was a good one. Specifically on the backs of the private party, and then kind of the the uh, gimmick, shall we say, of the battle royal. But then you see uh, SCU versus Jurassic Express, and man, like I said, once again, I'm getting ready. I'm getting you know some tape. I'm going to the medical room. I'm making certain accoutrements that we had to make. But I saw the last half of this match, and it was funny because I was watching Marco and Lucha and uh, and, and and Jungle practicing this move where where jungle would throw uh marco stunt on the luchasaurus so then flip him over his back onto to chris daniels and they tried it a bunch and it wasn't working but they were getting it enough where i'm like you know what just stop practicing. When the red light comes on and the show is live, you guys are going to totally freaking nail it. They totally did. This great spot where he throws Marco on a luchasaurus. A luchasaurus flips him over his back onto the and catches him. And then uh, I call him Jack Perry, but uh, uh, the jungle boy runs and spins, grabs Marco's stunts legs and spins him like a top, which leads him to like this crazy DDT. And then all this wackiness ensues until finally, uh, SCU hits the best melter ever, which is just insane on two guys like Frankie Kazarian. Like now he's like a muscle man. He's got uh, uh, Jack and a Jungle Boy and March Marco stunt on his shoulders. The CD comes off with some kind of a backflip into the best Meltzer ever, and um, just a great, great opening match. And SCU, I mean, SCU is so valuable in my opinion because you can put them in the opener, you can put them in the middle, you can put them in the main event, and you know what you're going to get with them, and they know exactly what to do. So thumbs up to that. And what I heard too on the down low is that even with all the new Kenny Omega merch and Jericho merch and Young Bucks have a new shirt every day, it seems... God bless them for it. Go to prowrestlingtees. and look up the Young Bucks merchandise, and you can see that. But uh, and the number one shirt of the weekend was the Luchasaurus Jungle Boy shirt, which I believe is, has been out for for a while. So um, that shows that they're, they're a hot act and uh, ready to, uh, to 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 keep on moving to the next level. So I really really enjoyed it, and I think that's a great way to start off the show. The Chicago crowd loved it. All right, we're talking about All Out and uh, Cracker Barrel Clash. Darby Allin versus Joey Janela versus Jimmy Havoc. Now, listen, I am not a uh, stick in the mud <laughs> when it comes to this sort of stuff, but I don't like just the out-and-out out hardcore for the sake of hardcore. Um, I know there's obviously a uh, technique to it. It's not easy. I can't do it. I just know that when I took the big thumbtack bump against uh, Dean, Dean Ambrose, the, uh, the current John Moxley in the uh, Ambrose asylum match, and actually had 69 thumbtacks in my back, we made it a big deal. Never stopped talking about it. It was the finish of the match. It was the culmination of the match. It was the highlight of the match. This match started with Jimmy Havoc state, bring a staple gun and stapling himself. Um, I mean, it just, it, it drives, it, it drives me crazy because I've seen Jimmy Havoc and he's actually, he's you know, he's from England. So he's been wrestling since he was 10. Uh, and he's a good technical performer as well. But people, some people like this sort of thing, but I'm telling you right now, when I worked Jimmy Havoc and Darby Allen, Joey, Janelle, we're not doing that stuff. So don't even suggest it. Um, all these guys are very uh, uh, competent performers and they're all over in their own different ways. But um, like I said, I mean it's not my gig, it's not my jam, but that's one thing about AEW's. We give you different styles of matches, and these three are, are three of the best at it. So um I just don't like staple guying myself. So I'm not gonna do that. But those guys did, and it, what a spectacle it was. And it's very, you know, it's violence. I, I found this match to me gave me the same feeling as when I watched Moxley and Joey Janella at uh, Fight for the Fallen in um, – no, it was, the, it was the video game show, whichever the one was in Daytona Beach. I can't remember what they called it, Fighter Fest. And it's just not my thing. Like, I, I just – you know, it's like it's like watching FMW in the early 90s. You go to New Japan, and you go to WR, and then FMW, they have like, you know, piranha in a box match. There actually was a piranha in a box. They so put an alligator in a box and a boa constrictor in a box. And it's like, it's not wrestling to me. I'm sure that people love it. Uh, and 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 good on those guys i think they're all talented i think darby allen i love his gimmick uh he's a very got much a, a reckless abandon he should be called reckless abandon darby allen um goes very far to please the crowd for sure and sooner or later they're gonna have to listen to the advice of chris stowinski uh to not have their careers end early but who am I to tell them that? As the new age Nick Bockwinkle, they're going to look at me like I'm nuts, the same way that I looked at Nick when he told me the same thing. So I'm glad all those guys are okay. Not my bag, but for uh, for if it is, you're not going to get a better hardcore death match like that. And I'm sure Cracker Barrel was to the moon and back since they actually used the Cracker Barrel in the match, and the Cracker Barrel was uh, much lighter. Than the Cracker Barrel that I had to throw out of the top rope because they couldn't get it out. So, Cracker Barrel clash once again. Then you got the match that was uh, put together last minute when uh, when John Moxie got hurt with the MRSA uh, infection and man, he sent me some pictures of it. It's really gross. And thankfully, uh, they're able to get rid of that because MRSA is no joke. I remember Bob Holly had a MRSA infection years ago and he almost had to get his arm amputated. So this is not something to take lightly, and it's also contagious. So anybody can get it. So thankfully, uh, Mox was. Smart enough to uh, to see that. And I know I bummed him out. He was really sad that he couldn't be there. But you got to think big picture in the wrestling business. And um, also, we call it a happy accident because Mox goes out and Pac comes in. And you've got a, a dream match, Pac and Omega. Now, I did not see this match. I heard it. You might say, what does that mean? I hear matches because I sit in the back and if I can't exactly watch the match, I think next time I have, I have like a dressing room thing. I'm going to have them put a monitor in there next time so I can watch the whole show. But uh, I didn't see the match, but I could hear it. And afterwards, both Kenny and Pac were, were 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 mad because I guess their match was went too long and they ran out of time and they had to cut a bunch of stuff and they were not happy about it. And meanwhile, it's like the best match on the show. <laughs> they remind me so much of Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit in that these guys were putting on these amazing, amazing matches, but they were always mad because something didn't go right or, or they didn't hit a punch or a kick the way they wanted to originally. And it just, uh, they were always really hard on themselves for uh, for this. So um, once again, I was like, because I remember one of the guys was like, that match was terrible, the worst match of my career. And I'm like, it's impossible for Kenny Omega and Pac to have a bad match. And it's impossible for them to have a match that's, like, the worst. So uh, I think in retrospect, both of them liked it a lot better. But this is something that everyone's going to have to learn. It's something that a lot of guys don't have the experience of of, of live TV and specific hard timelines. If you look at the entire AEW roster, besides myself, Moxley, Dustin Rhodes, Cody Rhodes, um, I mean, uh, uh, Awesome Kong will probably know a little bit about it. But other than that, like... If you haven't been on live TV, it's a whole other world. I remember the first time I had a live TV match with Jerry Lynn, Mr. JL and WCW, and then we had seven minutes. And I'm like, how can I do anything in seven minutes? And now live TV with a two-hour television show or three hours if you're in WWE on Raw, seven minutes is like pretty much the norm of what you're going to get unless you have a higher profile kind of a main event match. So um, everyone's going to have to learn about this and Pac and Kenny having to cut their match short, even though it still went like 23, 25 minutes, uh, you're just going to have to learn how to deal with that and, and work with it. And they had a great match from reading it. I haven't watched it yet. Like I said, but I heard it. And I know those two guys and you can't tell me it wasn't great. So, and then you had, of course, uh, uh, best friends versus the dark order to earn a first round tournament bye for the, uh, Tag team tournaments, Chucky e. T and, and and uh Trent uh, Beretta. And I didn't see this one either, but I did see Orange Cassidy at the end to uh even the odds and take the the, the death mask people, the, the 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 minions out of the ring. And and Orange Cassidy, very controversial. A lot of people hate him. I love him. I'll tell you the reason why. Anytime you can do something different in the wrestling world and get a reaction, that's what wrestling is all about. You know, I I would really actually even like to work with this guy and, you know, kick his shins with the shades on and just doesn't care. And, you know, imagine when when he does just open up and flip out and beat the crap out of somebody and show some real genuine emotion. This guy knows what he's doing. You have to be a good worker to get that sort of stuff over. So. I'm actually really looking forward to to seeing Orange Cassidy more as, as TV starts and putting him with the best friends. They have good chemistry and uh, and kudos to Chucky Taylor for uh, tightening up a little bit and looking a little bit in a little bit better shape. Uh, he's a great guy. Super nice. He's super goofy. Fun to be around. I like him a lot. And uh, I like the best friends. Still trying to figure out the dark order. I don't know why one guy has a mask and one guy doesn't and one guy's wearing a loincloth and um, but that's up to those guys. Uh, once again, I haven't seen a lot of them, and I still feel like uh, they haven't really shown shown me their best yet. Uh, it's very random right now, and um, I'm sure we'll learn more about them as as the weekly TV starts. Let's go back to the matches. Then we have the uh, the self-proclaimed Joshi Girls, Kenny's uh, Kenny's project with Riho versus Sheeta for uh, the right to face um, Nyla Rose. Uh, as the champ. And I think obviously um, it's going to be tough for one of those little Japanese girls to face the giant Nyla Rose. But these guys got a style of their own and it's fun to watch them work together. It's like uh, to see them work together is like, like 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 luchadors working together where they're doing their own style. Crowd kind of watches for a while and then kind of get into it. And, you know, they look like little princesses, especially uh, Riho. <laughs> it's really funny. It's very small. But I uh, didn't see this match either. But I know from the past... Uh, how they work, how they just kick the crap out of each other. And I think uh, 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 Riho versus Nyla Rose will be a really cool David versus Goliath uh, a match. So we'll see that probably, I think, the first or second week of TV. Then we get to the actual, the, the big main events of the show, in, in my opinion, the, the three top matches. Cody versus Sean Spears. Cody's got MGF with him, his best friend. And, uh, and Sean is Tully Blanchard. Uh, once again, I was getting ready to do some stuff. I watched the end of this match. Um, I think we've we've done a great job of building Sean Spears. You don't bring a guy like Sean Spears or a guy like Hangman Page and put them over the very first night. We, you build them as stars. You put them in great spots. No one even knew really who Sean Spears was unless you watch NXT, which I don't know no insult intended but i know he was the perfect 10 guy and that was great but he's sean spears now and he knows how to work he's got a passion for the business and they really did a good job of obviously once again another happy accident as we call it with cody getting hit with that chair shot and all the stitches and kind of building it around that and then of course the introduction of tully blanchard dusty Rhodes' mortal enemy to be uh to be uh his his manager and the thing working with, with when you have these older guys, they got such great timing, such great facials. It was from a different time where it's kind of what we're doing at AEW. If you're going to be a good promo, you're going to have to learn how to do it yourself. There's no writers there to give you a script, and there's no there's nobody there to kind of coddle you along. You're going to have to learn and figure it out. And when you see a Tully Blanchard with the way he, he's facials and, and the way he works and talks, it's just believable, you know? And of course having the match with arn anderson coming down and giving the spine buster tearing the house down which was great another you know are his is tully's old partner and another you know uh uh enemy of dusty roads or whatever you want to say um i saw arn afterwards and i said geez arn you had a little bit of a problem getting underneath the third rope when you were leaving this i know it's because i'm fat <laughs> arn never losing his sense of humor and uh you know, when you get guys like that with that type of, of of legacy and lineage, you can use them forever as long as you use them the right way. And another thing I like what we do in AW, if it was WWE, Arn would have got spine busted by somebody. You know, they, they, they take their legends and <laughs> just have them get beat up by the young guys. Uh, and we didn't do that. We had them kind of involved in the storyline. And another thing I really enjoyed was seeing how Cody, um, by hook or by crook, has, has become the top babyface in the company uh, because he connects with the crowd and he does a great job of connecting the past to the present, to the future. He did it in his match with uh, with Dustin Rhodes um, using the family connection and the, the brotherly love and, and the brotherly rivalry and all that sort of stuff. So I really, really enjoyed this match. Uh, For what I saw, once again, I saw the end part of it, uh, the finish was great the right guy went over and, and Cody uh, is hot right now but it's not like we buried Sean Spears because Sean now has somewhere to go he's got uh, a manager that has some uh, some credentials and some legitimacy so just because somebody loses and wins and that's another thing that, that I was hearing like well you know Jericho beat hangman page clean well we're not doing the old school you know poke the ref in the eyes and nut shots I mean I'm sure there's a place for that but this is more of a legit sports-based company. And it's like when, you, when I go to the Winnipeg Jets and, and you know, the New York Rangers beat the Jets in the finals of the playoffs, they don't have to you know, throw salt in the ref's eyes and pull the goalie's pants down and, and you know, gra- grab his knee pads and, and hold them to get the win. They just win. And that pisses you off even more. When your hometown team loses to the other team, that's a heel victory. That's a babyface loss and there's no cheating involved. It's just the team that you like got beat by the team you didn't like. And that's where the heat comes from. I see people all the time that want to kill, you know, you go to a Vikings game when they play, they, I think they played the the, the the Cowboys maybe last year for, for whoever it was or the, or the Falcons, Philadelphia, no, Philadelphia, I'm sorry, Philadelphia Eagles to, uh, to to get a playoff berth and they didn't get it. Everybody wanted to kill the Philadelphia Eagles. Or the Atlanta Falcons. You guys get my point? Literally, the, the walking out of the stadium wanting to murder anybody wearing a opposing team's jersey, Philly, Atlanta, whatever. That's what we're going for here in AW. Just because you know, if you're a heel, you're not. You don't have to cheat. It's just you're not the one that people like, and when you win, that gets you more heat. And that's what we're going for, especially with Tony Khan's real sports background with the Jacksonville Jaguars and with the Fulham football club, et cetera, et cetera. So we did not bury Sean Spears. I thought it was a great way to showcase him. And the sky's the limit for that guy. Uh, I don't think it's going to be long before we see a world title match, maybe a year or two years between hangman page versus Sean Spears. And you heard here first, and this is where the uh, the seeds got planted for both of them. Then you have the match of, of, I mean, you know what it's going to be. Young bucks versus the Lucha brothers a uh, ladder match. I mean, come on, right? These guys are both just completely all four of them, just completely insane, but just, just great, great performers and just daredevils to the highest degree. Some of the craziest bumps I've ever seen about it. the, the, the Canadian destroyer off the ladder. I mean, there's just no way to do that and, and not get hurt except for they didn't. And then, you know, Nick Jackson, he kind of fell out of the ring, took a face plant to a table. I did the same thing years ago when we had a, a TLC match with, uh, Jericho and Big Show versus uh, DX. And I came up with a genius idea of standing on Big Show's shoulders, reaching for the title. Sean superkicks Big Show. Big Show turns around and sells. I fall off Big Show's shoulders straight through a table. Well, problem was Big Show was too far away and I had no balance because you can't just stand on another man's shoulders. And I kind of ended up on the top rope for a second. Then I fell off the top rope and went face first through a table. It was the craziest bump I've ever taken in my life. I should have died Thank God I didn't. I didn't even get hurt. And then here we are, you know, 10 years later, Nick Jackson takes pretty much the exact same bump. So the wrestling angels were with all of those guys uh, and they just put on this amazing performance. Now, once again, is it is it this type of ladder match that I would have? Well, no. And one of it is because I can't do a lot of that stuff and B, I have a different mindset of what a ladder match is. I, use, I would use it more as a weapon to batter guys and beat guys down. And I think as, as a, as a spectacle, this is probably the best ladder match you've ever seen, but go back and watch Shawn Michaels versus Chris Jericho ladder match for the world title and see how we did it a little bit different way. Different attitudes, different mindsets Uh, is one safer than the other. I mean, this one had a little bit more of kind of like, well, just throw caution to the wind and go for it. But it's a ladder match. It's like, you know, WC Fields said, don't work with kids And animals, because you can't trust them. Well, don't work with ladders either, because they'll bite you at any time. I lost a couple teeth because of it. So uh, once again, great match. And I'm glad all four of those guys are okay. And I think it's time for the Bucks to stop having those type of stunt matches. And I think they'll probably be the first ones to tell you they'd rather have a couple just actual, you know, reaching for the hot tag type matches, which can be great as well. And they will be. So um, amazing, amazing match. Now here's my favorite part. Last match of course, main event Jericho versus Page, and there's been some uh, some some debates that while well, you should have put the ladder man on, a match on last because you can't follow it, I disagree. The world title match is the world title match and that's why you put guys in there that can have a world title match. Now before um I get into the, the kind of the mechanics of this, I was watching a match that that, that Steve Austin sent me. Uh, yes, Steve Austin, they're still very good friends. He's allowed to be friends with me. (laughs) Um, It was uh, Harley Race versus Terry Funk, 1977 Houston, for the NWA title, best two out of three falls. They weren't 45 minutes. They didn't do anything, but it was one of the best matches I've seen. It was a true world title match. What is a true world title match? A true world title match should have a story. It should have intensity. It should have some viciousness, and it should be completely between two men that are fighting for the biggest prize in the sport. And if you can't put that on last then you shouldn't be a champion. If you can't put that on last, then you shouldn't have a world title because any single person that's in this business, any single performer in AEW, male or female, their goal should be to be the champion. And I don't care if you have a double blow up your ball bag, dynamite, stick up the ass match before it. If the world title doesn't go last, it's the same reason why... Hunter versus Jericho went on last at WrestleMania 18 when we had Hogan versus Rock two matches before. Now, I didn't agree with it. I thought we should have went on before Hogan and Rock. Triple H was adamant the world title goes last. Of course, he was winning. But listen, if you can't put the champion on last, whether the match suffers or not, that's just the way it goes. And I thought we worked a great match. How do you follow this amazing spectacle of a ladder match between the Lucha Brothers and the uh, Young Bucks? You start with an arm drag, and then you start with another one, and that was specifically for the critics. So I knew it'd go. This match is starting too slow. Well, guess what? Slow, start slow and taper off from there, as Tracy uh, Tracy uh, Smothers used to say. And I think that once again, that that's kind of what I wanted to do. Is kind of you got to reset the, the 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 game, reset the uh, the binary system, and get people into the match the way that you want them to and have them remember that it's a world title match. And that's kind of what we did. So I really, really enjoyed this match. It's probably my favorite that I've had this year. I liked it better than the one I had with Kenny. I liked it better than the one I had with Okada, which was the most critically uh, critically blasted four-and-a-half-star match you'll ever see. I love that. It's like, how am I getting yelled at for having a four-and-a-half-star match? But uh, this one was, was not that... I had a much better feeling about this. I thought the... Um, the crowd was great. I thought they really bought into, once again, you got the duality of the Hangman Page fans and you got the uh, the Jericho fans. I mean, that's just, that's just the way it is. I mean, you're not going to have Chris Jericho be a complete heel after almost 30 years on the job. And quite frankly, once again, when I say I want my thank you for making AEW legitimate, it's called uh, shooting on the square, ribbing on the square. I'm working, but I'm telling the truth. And I think a lot of fans realize that if Jericho hadn't come to AEW, it'd be a completely different ball of wax. So, of course, there's going to be people that are cheering for me. Um, and But I'll say this, though, Hangman Page, great performer. First time we've ever been in the ring together. First time we've ever touched. We've never touched before. Uh, had some great ideas. I love the shooting star press into the code breaker on the floor. Someone said, oh, it looked like a train wreck. Well, it was a f- train wreck. That's what it was supposed to look like. It's a desperation move where a guy's hitting a code breaker out of a shooting star press. I haven't seen that one before. And in this day and age when Jericho can think of ideas that haven't been seen before, once again, that's 30 years of experience. Um, buckshot clothesline is great. His moonsault from the top is great. Uh, the the, the dead shot pile driver. All of that stuff was so much fun to do. Um, in fact, he busted me open for a little poetic justice. The happy accident we had in Jacksonville where I kicked him in the head and busted it open. Added so much intensity to the match. He then delivers it back to me. Uh, great, uh, a great great uh, moment with, with myself and, and Aubrey where I just watched what happens to give her a shove try to get in my face and I'm the official. And we played it straight, no comedy. Not the old school Ric Flair where you get shoved and you shove back and go, hey, I wanted to make it straight. Like, you know, if you yelled at the umpire, the umpire would be like, hey, listen, man, go F yourself, I'm the umpire. Don't you talk to me like that. People enjoyed that. So there's a lot of little little details in there that I really, really enjoyed and had a lot of fun with. And then... We had debated what kind of a finish to do and how it would work. And I'll tell you what, man, he hit me with that buckshot clothesline and went for the spinning uh, knockout blow that he had given me that had cut me open. And when I hit him with the Judas effect, I couldn't believe the reaction. The pop was huge. And I got a lot of feedback after the people saying, man, I can't believe after doing it two or three times that you got the Judas effect over. And that's how it was. I wanted to be something out of nowhere. And now we actually found out how to deliver it and people are going to be watching for it now. So Um, Just a lot of great stuff, great reversals and and walls of Jericho and him getting out of this and getting into that. And uh, a great idea that Dean Malenko gave me to take his arm through the guardrail and smash it in front of his parents. And um, I just really enjoyed it. I felt very comfortable, very confident. Uh, My cardio felt great. So, yeah, I I just really enjoyed it. And I thought it was a great way to end a great show. And once again, if you thought the match was too slow and, and shouldn't have been put on last, well, I disagree with you. And if you think that the latter match was too self-indulgent and had too many high spots and you were waiting for the world title match and you like the world title match better, well, that's fine. We give you the opportunity to decide what kind of matches you like, and we're giving you a whole bunch of different styles. Other companies have a cookie-cutter way of doing things. We don't. And I think that's one of the reasons why AEW is very popular and continuing to grow and get a lot of eyeballs on us because Tony Khan and our mindset – is to let the artists be artists, let the pros be pros. If you like what they're doing, great. If you don't, wait till the next match and you'll get something different. So um, I came through the curtain, you get that feeling, I got blood streaming down, I'm the, I'm the new champ, you feel great. And then they said, uh, they said that we had to do something after. I don't ever pay attention to what I have to do after the match. I wanna do the match first. So then when I come through the curtain, Chris, we're going to have you walk backstage and you're going to go through and then just, you know, talk a lot of crap. And you're going to go into the dressing room and there's going to be some champagne. You're going to spray it around. I'm like, that's cool. So basically I got a chance to do my other favorite thing in wrestling besides get crowd reactions. is just improv and just walking through backstage and, you know, talking trash, to the young bucks and yelling at Brian Pillman Jr.'s hair and yelling at the paramedics. Where were you when I was bleeding to death? And, Saying I got a whole room full of silent people. Usually, when when, when someone wins a world championship, there's there's there, there's champagne and flowers and standing ovations, and I'm getting none of that because all of you are so stunned that Chris Jericho won the the world title. You know, and um, I just think it, it, it's really really uh, funny when you see that. All right, as we wind down here, um, I'm doing my backstage speech and uh, now I'm yelling at the librarian saying, shush, you're going to shush me up yours and Scorpio Sky, you'll never get a a, a title shot. Then I go into my room and I got a little tray of uh, of, uh, meat and uh, appetizers, whatever we call them, dainties, whatever, hors d'oeuvres. And there's a thing of olives. I do the total spinal tap, you know, look at this olives, this one. Look, there's nobody in there, but this little, little guy in there. What's wrong with this? This terrible backstage catering. And then go to the little Dumb and Dumb. i got to have a little bit of the bubbly, a little bit of champagne, which I then spray all over an AW employee and grab the world title. And uh, had to do a bunch of pre-tapes and had to do uh, some stuff afterwards with some of the other guys. Uh, let me also add, too, that I love the fact that the Santana and Ortiz attacked the Young Bucks after the latter match, which of course sense the tone now for a future opponents for those guys, it's great to have them as well. So I did some backstage stuff with them and some other people. But um just really, really cool experience. And it's one of those things when you're finally finished filming and it's past midnight and you know I had to get a couple stitches from from the uh the receipt that Adam Page gave me. Thanks, Hangman, and you know, it really is funny because Roddy Piper told me years ago, I remember when I won the first Undisputed Championship in 2001, he goes, you know, the the, the main event is the loneliest position because when you're done, everybody's gone. <laughs> and that's basically what happened. But it's also something else that's very cool that that um, Lance Storm with his analytical mind pointed out to me that, you know, in 2001 when, when TNT closed and Vince, you know, took the TNT, the WCW belt and combined it with the WWE belt. The First ever undisputed champion of the new era was, was Chris Jericho. And now here we are 20 years later, whatever, 18 years later, and wrestling is back on the TNT network. And Chris Jericho is the new champion of the new era. So something I don't take lightly to be the AEW champion, a lot of responsibility for it. And we've got a lot of great ideas coming up. We spent a lot of time kind of throwing storylines around and, Really, really excited at this point to to get started with the weekly television starting October 2nd. And there's some great fellowship going on, some great camaraderie. One thing that's really cool is because AW uh, takes care of the accommodations for 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 the company, everyone stays in the same hotel. So there's a big kind of you know party afterwards. W everybody's split up, unless it's WrestleMania weekend, but there's a lot of fans and a lot of kind of responsibilities. But after the show, it's great just to sit sit together with with the guys and just shoot the breeze and, and hanging out with Tony Khan and uh, Chuck e. T and jungle boy and uh, Alex Marvez and a couple other guys just shooting the breeze and exchanging stories and with Frankie Kazarian and Chris Daniels and Earl Hebner, and just having a great time. And, and just remembering the fun part of, of wrestling, which is always the, the dressing room environment. And, and listen, it's a great honor to be AEW's first champ. Some people think it could have went the other way, I would have went either way, but I'm excited to be the champion and kind of start this new era. Uh, The company's not going to be built around me, but it's a great way to start. And I think after all the experience that I have, it's what I offer and what I do best is helping the younger guys learn and get better. And in the meantime, I'm still delivering great matches. And I'm not uh, being egotistical to say that because if I didn't feel that way, I wouldn't be saying it. So uh, what a great show, and, man, here we go. We're getting ready for October 2nd for the for the, for the the show, AEW's show, to start on the TNT Network, 8 p.m. from the sold-out Capital Center in Washington, D.C., and what a ride it's going to be. So I hope you guys enjoyed All Out. And what was your favorite match? Hit me up on the Twitter, at TalkIsJericho. Let me know what matches you like best, whether uh, whether you like mine. If you didn't like mine, that's fine, too. Uh, just don't be too nasty or I'll block you. <laughs> F off, up yours. <laughs> but in the meantime and in between time, um, go back and watch the show if you haven't seen it. It's very much worth watching. It was a great, great show and um, a lot of awesome matches. And once again, I think uh, it, it, by Hangman Page losing If he would have won the title, maybe it's too soon. But now you've got a definite contender who showed what he can do. He had a great showing. He's a great performer. And it's only a matter of time before he ends up to be the world champion as well. And that's what you do in the wrestling. You build people. You slowly build them and take them as far as they can go and get them ready to get to the next level. And we definitely did that with with the uh, Jurassic Express. We did that with Sean Spears. We did that with uh, Santana and Ortiz. We did that with... Adam Page so Pac got a huge victory over Kenny which I didn't even say earlier it was a big shock that that you know Kenny Omega is getting buried Kenny Omega is not getting buried Kenny Omega is doing what what we ask him to do and what he knows is right to build up other challenges for him once again Kenny Omega will be a world champion soon enough as it is as well so uh thank you for joining us um and it's going to be a great great ride so we will see you soon and we'll see you on the Unleashed in the West Tour of Fozzy. It starts tomorrow, September 5th in Denver, Colorado at the Marquee Theatre. September 6th at Colorado Springs, 7th Grand Junction, Colorado, 8th Salt Lake City, Utah. We're going all the way to Atlanta on September 28th. Go check out fozzyrock.com for all ticket information and VIP too. The VIPs are really picking up. We have a great time. We hang out. We meet you. We greet you. We take pictures. We ask questions and we do a private uh vip show just for you guys uh, a mini set of songs that you might not hear later on and just have a little bit of fun so go check out all ticket and vip meet and greet information at fozzyrock.com and go to chrisjerichocruise.com to book one of the final cabins for chris jericho's rock and wrestling rager at part 2 we really do have less than 20 cabins we want you to be there is going to be there is going to be there rick flair's going to be there go to chrisjerichocruise.com for all information and buy one of those final cabins to not get left behind uh, and coming up on friday man this is great snake sabo and uh rachel bowen from skid row talk about the 30th anniversary of the first skid row record and it's a lot of fun these are great guys um, so come join us then in the meantime and in the between time thank you so much for being a part of AEW all out and we will see you on october 2nd and we'll see you on friday for some skid row and we'll see you on thursday in denver for Fozzie and that's it. Enough of my yakking. Have a great week. Stay hard, stay hungry. Peace, love and hugs and a big yeah boy. And remember, Le Champion is here. I'm going to start referring to myself as that. Why is Jericho speaking French? I don't know because it's obnoxious and snotty. So all hail Le Champion.